So we have been in the temptation of Jesus. This is the third week. We've gone, we've taken it one temptation at a time. Let me read the whole passage again. It's not that long. And then we're going to focus in on the last few verses and the third temptation. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, meaning in the Scriptures, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, the devil quoting Scripture, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is the portion that we come to this morning. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's look back there again at verses 8 and 9. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor or and their glory. Is that word there, glory or splendor? All this I will give you. All the kingdoms of the world, all their glory, all their wealth, all that. And you will have all power over all this. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. My theme for this morning that we're going to focus in on and to apply this temptation to our lives and where we see this same temptation. That's what we've been doing the last two weeks, and we come to a third one today. My theme for this morning is ambition. Ambition. The, the account that from the Old Testament that Jeff read this morning about Absalom, if you were not very familiar with Absalom and who he was and you heard that story, some of you may have not been familiar with that story. You may have heard that read, and you may have been wondering, is this good or bad as you heard the, as you heard the story? Because what did Absalom say? He says, I'm going to give people justice. I'm going I'm to grab hold of my fellow Jews and kiss them and love them and show them my great love. And I'm going to promise people justice and I'm going to work for justice and get justice for people. And I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do great things for, for, for these people and all this. But of course, it was all ambition. It was, there was a king already. His own father, David, was king, and Absalom wanted to be king. And so he was doing all these things that were supposed to be good and were supposed to, he says, he won the hearts 
of the nation. He began to win the hearts of the nation because he was seeking things that they wanted. He was seeking things to impress them because what did he want? He had ambition. He wanted to be king. He wanted to be judge. He wanted to be over the people. He wanted to take over the nation and rule. That was his ambition. And there are two definitions of ambition, and I want you to understand I'm, I'm working, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make mention eventually of the second definition, which is more generic. But the first definition is the definition I'm working with. So hear this. I'll give you two different dictionaries' definition of ambition. And this is only one. There's, there's another definition as well. Ambition is an earnest desire for some type of achievement or distinction as power, honor, fame, or wealth as examples of things that you might be seeking. Another dictionary's definition is ambition is an ardent desire for rank, fame, or power. And we could add to that prestige, praise, glory. We could list a lot of things um, to, to add to what, what it is that ambition is, is all about. And my guess is, and, and, and I, I believe this is, this is probably the case, that many of us, or, or some of us, quite a few of us, are sick with ambition. There's an ambition in us that is, that is like a sickness in us. Now, it may be an ambition. We don't, may not recognize it as ambition because we don't think of it as like Jesus getting all the kingdoms of the world. The devil's saying, you can have all the kingdoms of the world. This, this, if you want it, you can have it. I will give you all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. Our ambition may be something smaller, but maybe in, in some circle in which we operate. But, there, there's, but for many of us, there's an ambition in our lives as we're trying to achieve something and, and the younger you are, probably the sicker you are with this. Not necessarily. There are people 80 years old who are sick, sick to death with ambition. But for some of you who are younger, you're probably, there's this ambition in you that is, that is a sick, it's like a sickness in you. You are longing to distinguish yourself. You are longing to do something distinctive to get the attention of some circle, whether it's a large circle or a small circle, but to get attention on you, to get praise on you, to have people think well of you, to, to get more power for yourself, more maybe money for yourself. Maybe, it's not, maybe it doesn't have to do with money, but to get more praise, to get more prestige. And this sneaks into every, it can sneak into every area of life. And so this is going to take, once again, the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. It's going to take um, a, a, that you're willing to meditate on this and examine yourself. Because what we do all the time is say, no, that's not bad. That's, that's, something, that's something good that I, I'm trying to do. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do better at something. Yes, that's true. But is that really the whole matter? Is, it re is there really something in there that you're trying to raise yourself up above others? You're trying to distinguish yourself. You're trying to draw attention to yourself, praise to yourself. glory. And we, by the way, this is so against the grain of, of American life that this is almost like a, a, an anti-American uh, uh, sermon because this is what we're all taught all the time. And in fact, probably some of us have taught this to our children. We have raised our children to seek glory. We didn't call it that. We didn't call it that. But in effect, the way we, the way we pushed them and the things that we led them in and the, way, the things that we praised and encouraged them in was an attempt to drive them to find glory for yourself. Distinguish yourself, son. Distinguish yourself, daughter. Raise yourself up above. Bring glory to yourself. Bring praise to yourself by achievement and by success. And bring, and bring, and bring uh, uh, 
uh, prestige to yourself. Do it. Go out there and achieve and bring that prestige upon yourself. Now, why do I call this a sickness? We're going to get into some of that. Um, but let me, I, I sat down and began to li- and listed 10 things that I see associated with this, sins that come out of this. And I'd stopped at 10 because I was like, 10's a good round number, I'll stop there. But I probably could have just kept going and going. These are the first 10 that came to my mind as I thought about ambition and what ambition does to us. And, what, and I, by the way, how do I know this? Because I just looked inside. I just looked at my own heart and my own ambition. Um, and when I was a kid, um, people would be like, uh, JR's a great reader. He really reads books. He's amazing. He's got all these books that he's reading. Um, he's, a, he's a real scholar. He's a real student. But if you looked at the books that I was reading, if you looked at the books that I was reading and the movies that I loved and all that stuff, it was all about great people. And when I would read those books, I would imagine myself, this is what I, I, I read. When I was in fourth grade, uh, I read the, the biography of General Douglas MacArthur because of his glory his, the glory that he achieved for himself through military victory, um, I wanted that glory. I loved the movie Patton. Now, the director probably didn't want me to like Patton, but as a kid, I loved him. I was like, yes, Patton, he's awesome. He raised him. The director was criticizing Patton the whole time, but I didn't get that message. I just got the message, wow, Patton, the glory he got for himself. I didn't see that he was a self-absorbed, you know, I can't say the other words, um, I didn't see that. I just saw, I just, I just was like, Patton, yeah, Patton, Rocky. I love Rocky, you know. Now, Rocky was a little different. He was a little humble, you know. But at glory, it was all about the glory for me. I loved all that stuff. Loved sports. I read sports stories. As I got older, I read stories about great writers because I, I wanted, you know, I thought, uh, uh, uh. anyway, I just was into all that stuff, reading that stuff all the time because I saw glory. That's what life's about. It's about achievement. It's about success. It's about bringing recognition to yourself. And so if I study all these people who have done glorious things, then I'll emulate them and, and I'll be like them. Ten things I want to mention. People who are sick with ambition, they hate themselves because they have not yet reached enough glory. One of the interesting things about ambition is a lot of people who are sick with ambition, they actually hate themselves. They hate themselves so much because they're not beautiful enough. They're not successful enough. They haven't gotten enough. They haven't achieved enough. They wish that that's what they were, but they are not that yet. And they just beat themselves up and hate themselves because of what they haven't gotten yet. People who are sick with ambition are filled with an anxiety and a fear of failure, always nervous, comparing with everyone else. Anybody who's in their field or in their areas that they're working in, they're comparing, comparing, comparing. Is he better? Is she better? Is he worse? Is he worse? Is he better? Always filled with anxiety. Always, they live their lives in fear and anxiety. This is one way it manifests. And I'm afraid that I'm not that I'm not going that that person's got an edge on me. I'm afraid that uh, I haven't done that. I haven't uh, that, that I'm going to fail tomorrow. Yes, I had some success, but will I be successful the next time? Well, I continue to be successful. The third thing that happens is you're, for some people is they're filled with vain glory. That's the King James Version word. You see in that word, vain glory, empty glory. They consider they're, they're, they're all about glory for themselves. Empty conceit is the more NIV translation of this. Empty conceit, vain glory, an emptiness of just puffing yourself up to look good so that you are admired. And it's this estimation of yourself that is completely out of whack with reality. You think highly of yourself, and it's completely absurd. The opinion you have of yourself is completely, ridiculously inflated. 
It's vain glory, it's, and it's empty, too. It's just an emptiness. There's nothing to it. A fourth thing that happens is people who are ambitious are filled with rivalry and competition. They're always competing. Everyone's a comp- everything's a competition. Everything's about beating the other one out. Everything's about right. If they, if they start a business, they're all about the rivalry of the business, and can they beat out the other businesses? Uh, it's all about rivalry. I mean, this is the American way, right? I mean, this is all the American way. This is, this is what we're taught. Rivalry and competition. Beat the other one out. Beat the other one. Uh, uh, rivalry and competition. A fifth, uh, and by, by the way, rivalry is a word that often used in the New Testament as an example of sin. <laughs> when there's lists of sins, you'll often see rivalry in there as a sin. Uh, did we know that competition was listed in the Bible as sin? I don't, I don't know if we're, if we're aware of that. There's a healthy kind of, obviously, there's some kind of healthy competition if you've got your head on straight and you understand that this doesn't have any importance at all and it's just for fun and all that. Okay, that's a healthy, but that's not what most of us have. Most of us have a sick form of competition. Fifth, they resent those people who are above them or ahead of them. They resent the people who've passed them up. The people in their area that they want to, they want to succeed, the people who are ahead or above or have done more, they, there's a resentment. They may not speak it, but in their heart of hearts, what's the attitude towards the one ahead of you? The Bible has a word for it. The word is envy. And envy doesn't just mean you want what they have. Envy means you don't like them because they have what you want. That's what envy means. It means you resent them because you don't like them because they're ahead of you in the race. They're irritating to you. They bother you. Sixth, people who are sick with ambition, they resent slights. When they're not praised by somebody, they resent slights. Just, just go watch a documentary on Michael Jordan, and you'll get, the, you'll get the, the guy was slighted every day of his life. Even though he was the most loved, loved athlete in the world, he was always slighted. Wow, I took that personal. Have you ever seen the documentary on Michael Jordan where he took everything personal? Everything personal. Because he was, if you didn't praise him, if you didn't adore him and worship at his feet, he was being slighted. He was being slighted. When you're ambitious, you're slighted all the time. Wow, he, what he said, I didn't, I, that wasn't exactly what I wanted to hear. You know, I'm, I've been, I've been, I'm offended. I'm deeply offended. So you go around offended and slighted all the time by people. When you're full of ambition, you, dis, you disrespect those people below you because you surpassed them. You don't say that they're less than you, but in your heart of hearts, you know they're less than you. You think of them as less than you. That is not as important a person. That is not as significant as a person. I passed that person a long time ago. In my area, I'm far ahead of them. That's, an, that's a person who is, people are, are we don't say this. We don't, we don't believe in rank, right? We don't believe in class, but they exist in our hearts. Class and rank, you can, you can eradicate it from the society, but it's still in your heart. Who's on top, who's on bottom, and you know who's below you. And you don't have, you don't treat them with, with respect. You don't honor them the way they're below you. They're, they're less than you. They're, they're not as, as important as you. When you have ambition, um, number eight, I'm, I'm doing 10. Number eight, when you're sick with ambition, you dishonor God. You dishonor God because your own glory, not God's glory, is your real joy. To lift up God and praise God and bring glory to God, that's not your desire. That's not your joy. Your joy is to lift up yourself and bring glory to yourself. And your, the devotion of your life, the devotion of your life is not God, his glory. I want to praise him. I want to worship him. I want to bring glory to God. That's the devotion of my heart. That's what I'm devoted to. Instead, what you're devoted to, what you have zeal for, your earnest labor is really for your own glory, to achieve and bring glory to yourself. Number nine, 
people who are sick with ambition, they try to find the meaning of their life, the significance of their life. Their life means something, and it's significant in the praise of human beings instead of what the Bible teaches us, the praise of God, right? Do you understand that the Bible teaches us to seek God's praise? We think of we praise God. Obviously, that's a main theme of the Bible. We praise God. But there's another theme in the Bible, which is the point of your life should be to seek the praise of God. God is your is the one you are you're not seeking the praise of this person or that person or, or anybody or trying to get people to praise you or glory. It's that you're seeking the praise of God. The Bible often talks about, um, uh, well, for Peter, I don't have the quote from me, but Peter um, talks about this um, where he says that um, people, should, people seek praise, glory, and honor from God when Jesus is revealed. That's, that's the language of, of the apostle Peter. When Jesus is revealed, when Jesus comes back, there will be glory and honor and praise for people who have sought his praise by, 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 uh, by seeking uh, what God wants and instead of seeking to impress other people. So they find the meaning of their life. And by the way, if the meaning of your life is the praise of other people, <laughs> there couldn't be anything more empty than that. There couldn't be anything deader than that. And it's not going to last either. For one thing, are you going to get there? If you do finally get there and get some people praising you, are you going to hold on to it for more than a, just a little bit? And even if you have it, even if everybody in the world's praising you, you're still walking around. With it. That's, that's dead. That's empty. There's always more that you want. It never really is, makes you happy and joyful. It's what so many people are aspiring to. It's what so many people are aiming at. But when they get there, the people who actually get there, I mean, go read the biographies of the people who got there. They're not happy people. They're not people who found joy in that, who found release and, one, and, and, and real life in that. That's not, they didn't find life there when they got there. Tenth, my last one. They resent God. They resent God, even though they may not say it once again, but in their heart of hearts, there's a resentment towards God because he hasn't given them enough glory. They resent the fact that they are trying in some area and they're not getting glory or enough glory, and they have a, there's, a, there's a resentment that their life hasn't gone the way they wanted it to go. Their life hasn't gotten to the, the place that they wanted it to get, and they're dissatisfied and they're resentful, and they're frustrated. And a lot of that frustration is aimed, we talked about this last week, is aimed at God. Um, even though they may not verbalize it because they feel like that would be sacrilegious. But in their heart, they're mad at God. They're upset with God about what they haven't gotten. So you see how ambition, if you were, if you, at first you were wondering, why would ambition be a problem? Um, it, this, is, this, is the, this is the kind of life that it leads to. These are the kinds of paths it takes you down. And I'm sure you can think of many other things as well. My prayer for all of you and me, my prayer for all of you and for me this week has been that we will be healed by Jesus of this sickness, that we will be really healed and set free. And if some of you have been healed of this and set free from this and you really see, you can genuinely look into your heart of hearts and see that, yes, this was something you struggled with, but the Lord has set you free from it. Help the rest of us. Teach us. I, I hope that that's true for some of the older members who can help maybe some of the middle-aged and younger members uh, with this as we're struggling with this, as we're still, as we're still got our ambitions that we, that, we, that we can't let go of, that we keep, we keep coming back to again. We might put it aside, but then we take it back up again. My prayer for all of you and for me is that we will be healed by Jesus. How are we healed? We're healed by his word and by his spirit. And so this word I'm preaching to you, I pray, will be at least part of that healing. It's a longer process probably than one 30-minute 
uh, you know, moment here, but that you will continue to, to, as you read the Word and hear the Word, that you will be healed of this ambition and see the emptiness of it. If you're sitting there right now and you're like, I don't buy any of this, I want what I want, and, th- and, th- and this is still the goal of my life, and this is still what I'm aspiring to, and I'm still going after that, and I do want people to recognize me, and I do want praise, and I do want to get attention, it's going to be rough for you. The years ahead are going to be rough. You've got some bad, you, it's not a glorious road ahead, it's a terrible road ahead. And I just want to tell you, repent now. Repent now and give that up. Ask that Jesus to, you don't just say, I don't, you, just, you don't just turn from it in a second. You have to ask Jesus to continue to help you with it and to heal you of it um, and, and to take that away. Um, some of you are going to have to maybe be brought to a low place before, before you'll get this. But I pray that you won't, that won't have to happen. But instead today, you'll respond to his word and see that the devil is tempting us to ambition, tempting us to give us all this stuff. The devil's saying to us, I'll give you all of this. This is what the devil's saying to you. I will give you all of this. If you'll just make this your goal, if you'll just make this your devotion, if you'll just make your life all about this and you'll do what it takes to get there, you won't do anything super blatantly wrong, but you're gonna just make your life all about this ambition. If you'll do that, I'll give you some stuff. I'll give you some stuff that you want. I'll help you. Whether he's lying to us or not, we'll see. You know, Some people never get it, and so... They wasted their life never getting it. But even the people who get it wasted their life. (laughs) They both wasted their lives. You get it or you don't get it, it's a waste of your life. That's not what life is about. That's not what God calls us to. When we devote ourselves to something other than God, when we devote ourselves, we devoted ourselves, this is what my life is all about, to something other than God, what we're doing in that is we're turning away from devotion to God and we're turning to do exactly what, Jesus, what the devil tells Jesus. We're worshiping and serving the devil. Now, we're not going out in the woods and beating a drum and, and lighting a fire and, and, and killing a chicken. That's, that's, the, that's the silly version of Satanism. We're just turning away from devotion to God and going our own way and, and devoting our lives to something that is other than God. And your glory, your ambition is other than God. So when you devote yourself to something other than God, we're going to talk about what good ambition is in a minute. If you devote yourself to something other than God, you are, you're worshiping and serving the devil. You don't know it necessarily, but that's what you're doing. You're worshiping and serving the devil um, because, you're, because you're not worshiping and serving God. He is, because there's no such thing as, I'll give God a little bit of worship and service and give myself a bunch of worship and service. No, you can't serve God and mammon. Jesus said there's no, there's no dividing it up. You're either all in for God or you're doing something else. You're serving the devil. And the, the, the thing else is Satan. The word Satan means enemy. Enemy of who? Enemy of us, enemy of God. He's the enemy. You're serving the enemy if you're not serving God. God has not given, so for some of us, think about this for a minute. God has not given glory to, to, to most of us, glory on the level that, that, that many of us want, and we're seeking that, and God's not giving it, so who are you seeking it from? If God's not giving it, and yet you're still going after it, and you're still making that your whole life devotion, and that's what you're driving after, you're seeking it from the devil. You're saying to the devil, yes, give it to me. Give it to me. God won't give it to me, so I'm going to get it, however I can get it. I'm going after it. 
give it to me, devil. Now, we don't say it in those terms, but that's what's going on is that we're turning away from God. We're, go, we're going to get it for ourselves. And by the way, preachers do this all the time. Preachers probably do this more than almost any other profession. The preachers aren't the good ones. The preachers are the ones who so easily go astray. In, in the year 60, Paul wrote this. In the year 60, Jesus has only been... Uh, raised from the dead and ascended into heaven for about 27 years, 27 years earlier. And Paul writes this. So the church is brand new, 27 years old. There's pastors everywhere. They're preaching to Christians. They're preaching. And this is what Paul says about his brothers and his brothers in, in the ministry, his fellow preachers. He says this, Philippians 1:17. Some, he doesn't say how many, but he says, some preach Christ out of selfish ambition. That's what their ministry is all about, selfish ambition. It's about putting themselves forward. It's about putting themselves, seeking glory and seeking glory for themselves and putting themselves forward and finding something uh, for themselves and, and seeking praise and all of that. Paul said, some of our ministers preach Christ out of selfish ambition. So, look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, in response to this, all this, the devil said, all this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. I will give you all this glory, all this power, all this prestige over all this. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, enemy. For it is written in God's word, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is what life is to be about. It's about worshiping God only. Uh, serving God only. This is what, you don't divide your life up into my ambitions and obedience, religion and uh, my, my side pursuits. It's, it's, all, it's all, your life is to be all of a piece. All of your life is to be of a piece, of the, uh, going in the same direction, under the same thing. A good ambition. Now, when I said earlier that that was the definition of ambition, I said there were two amb definitions. The other definition just says ambition can be just anything that you're, you're going after, anything you're trying to reach, anything you're trying to get. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, right? As long as you're going after something good and you're going after it in a good way. Now, you can even go after something good in a bad way, right? You can try to get, it, get something that's good uh, through, through doing bad things. But if you're going after something good and you're going after it uh, in a good way. And so, so what are good ambitions? The Bible teaches us what are good ambitions. Obedience. That's an ambition for your life. Make that your ambition. Obedience to God. My ambition is to obey God, to learn his word and obey his word. Another way we can put that, an ambition that the Bible gives us is do everything for the glory of God, right? That's another way that the, the Bible puts it. Do everything, everything, everything you do for the glory of God. Whatever you're involved in, whatever activity, whatever you're, you're seeking, pursuing, working on, do it for the glory of God. It has to be in line with what you're seeking is really to, to honor God, to bring glory to God um, before other people, but also in your own heart that you're doing this out of glory for God, out of honor for God. Another way you put this, the way that Jesus puts it when he says this is the greatest commandment is an ambition for your life is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's an ambition for a life. 
to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You notice how that's encapsulating everything, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the text from the Old Testament also mentions strength, with all your strength. Um, With everything you've got, love the Lord your God and all that you're doing, what you're using your mind for, using your heart for, your spirit for, your body for, your strength for, that it's all... That doesn't mean that you're only evangelizing 24-7 or reading the Bible 24-7. We can do real work in, in daily life. We're going to see this in a minute. Real life, but, we, but we must be doing it in obedience to God, out of love for God, to bring glory to God, not to bring glory to ourselves, not to achieve something that gets the attention on us and makes us feel better about ourselves and makes us feel significant because enough people have noticed us or praised us or whatever. Um, so see, and another, another ambition is what I said earlier. Seek your praise, your glory, your honor from God alone. Seek the praise. And what you're doing, seek God's praise, that God, would, that God would praise this, that God would love this, that this would, another way to put this is please God, that God would be pleased by this. Let me give you a few uh, other New Testament texts that touch on this theme. I'm not going to have time to explore them in depth, but just read them for you and make a brief comment on, on a few of them here. Um, before, we, before we finish out this passage. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says this. Second, this is Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.9. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, what he means that is, at home would mean he died and was with Jesus, or absent meant he was still here on earth and not yet with Jesus. So that's what that means. But notice what the ambition is. We haven't gotten to that yet. We also have as our ambition to be pleasing to him, capital H, the Lord, to be pleasing to my, Paul, Paul says our ambition is, as Christians, our ambition is to be pleasing to him. That's our ambition, to please him and what we're doing and what we're, what we're about, the activities we're engaged in, the thinking that we're doing, what we're involved in. Romans 15, 20, Paul says this, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Now, I'm not saying by reading that verse that, that that's to be your ambition. What I'm getting at is this. Why was that Paul's ambition? Do you know why? Because Jesus told him to do it. That's why that was his ambition. It wasn't Paul like, Paul like, man, I wish I was a great preacher and I wish I could start a big church and I wish that I could uh, have followers everywhere and I wish I could write a book that people would read for 2,000 years. No, Jesus caught him on the road to Damascus and said, said, Paul, I'm taking over your life, Saul. I'm taking over your life. I'm changing your name. I'm directing you in a new way. And my call upon your life, my commandment to you, Paul, is what you're going to give your life to is preaching the gospel to people who don't know it. That's your mission now. That's your ambition. I'm giving you your ambition. Forget your other ambitions. Paul was this great rabbi, by the way, and this great Pharisee who was rising up the ranks, and he was becoming more and more successful. He was young, but he was just rising. People were like, wow, you know, there's a rising star, Saul, this amazing guy. He's so intelligent. He's so scholarly. And Jesus said, nope, that's all done. Your ambition is now to preach me, Jesus, who you hated five minutes ago, to preach me, to people who've never heard about me. That's your mission. That's now the ambition for your life. And he added to that, I will show you how much you're going to have to suffer. But this is your ambition. This is now. And so Paul says, my ambition is this. Where did I get that from? Jesus. That's not necessarily your ambition because you're not necessarily called to preach Jesus 
to people who've never heard before in strange and distant lands. But still, the point of this is your ambition comes from God, from his word and his, and his direction to you. Let me give you another one. This one is fantastic. Listen to this one. I love it because it just pulls the rug right out, right out from under us. Um, uses the word ambition, and then look at what the ambition is. It's absolutely wonderful. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Make it your ambition. Okay, Paul's about to tell us. He's now talking to Christians, telling Christians what they need to do, and he's saying, make this your ambition. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? What's it going to be? Make this your ambition. Listen to me, fellow Christians, brothers and sisters. Listen to me. This is your, make this your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own daggum business, and to work with your hands. Now, that doesn't mean everyone has to, you know, do, do hand, work with their hands, you know, in the, in the literal sense of that. But what he's saying is, is keep your eyes on your own business what God has given you to do, the work he's given you to do, the family he's given you to take care of, the church and friends that he's given you to love, the work that he's given you to Keep your mind on that. Keep your eyes on that. Lead a quiet life. You don't need any attention. You don't need any glory. You don't need any fame. You don't need any of that stuff. Just lead a quiet life. Do the work that Jesus gave you to do. Stick with it. Obey Jesus every day. Make that your ambition. Now, there's a life. There's a life. There's this movie many years ago that some of you probably know uh, who are uh, post-retirement age. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Man for All Seasons. Anybody seen the movie Man for All Seasons? Where somebody says, this guy comes to him and he's, he's ambitious, and he comes to this wise man, and this wise man says, well, just be a teacher. Just go be a teacher. And he said, oh, being a teacher, I just, I, no one would ever know. There'd be no glory in that. I would never get any attention. No one would care. It would m- not matter all. He's, and, and, the, and the guy says in response, your students would know and God would know. That's all that matters. No one else needs to know. Your students would know and God would know. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You don't need the attention. You don't need the, this, this ambition. Drop your ambition. One more, one more verse. Philippians 2, 3, very famous passage. Maybe this verse isn't the most famous part of it, but listen to this verse. Do nothing, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain glory. There's that word again. Trying to get glory for yourself. The NIV says empty conceit, empty conceit. Do nothing out of... Uh, uh, selfish ambition or vainglory or empty conceit. But what should we do? What should, what should we do with our lives? Rather, in humility, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's, do you see how that's the exact reverse of ambition? Instead of making yourself more important, making yourself get more praise and more glory, Paul's like, I've got a mission for you. I've got a life for you. Regard the people around you as more important than you. Then, you're, then, you're, then you have the mind of Christ, he says. Now you've got the mind of Jesus. Now you're living like Jesus when you regard the people around you as more important than you. Now you're on to something. So in other words, he says, humble yourself in humility. Value others above yourselves. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. In other words, our ambition is to go down, not up. We are to go down, not up to reach this ambition. 
And so a Christian will be happy in a low place. A Christian will find happiness in a low place, unseen, without glory, but obeying God. But obeying God there in that place and doing things that please God. It, it may be a talent that you have. It may be an area of expertise that you have, knowledge that you've gained. Sure, you're still, you're still advancing in the sense of advancing in your field, and there's still growth. And we're not talking about rejecting growth and advancement and, and, and moving forward. But all of that is only in order to obey God. All of that, all, the skills you're using, the knowledge you're using is in order to do something for God's glory and to obey God and to bring praise to Him. Now notice... Jesus has offered all these kingdoms, but Jesus doesn't want the kingdoms as they are, right? The devil says, I'll give you all this. Now, there's a debate about, could the devil actually have given it to him or, or not? Was that, was, does, you know, the Bible does call him the prince of this world and the, and the prince of the power of air. Maybe he could have given Jesus that, really. Or was he lying? Could he not really have given it? That's debated. But never, nevertheless, um, what, what Jesus' answer here, part of what he's saying is, I don't want the kingdoms as they are. That's not, what, that's not what I'm here for. I don't want earthly glory. I don't want power over these kingdoms. Jesus had come not to take the kingdoms as they were, but to make all things new. He was there to transform the kingdoms, to change the kingdoms, to change this world into something else and to, and to, and to set, establish his kingdom, right? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Christ's kingdom, to establish his kingdom, which would make all things new, change all of these kingdoms, transform all of this. He's not saying, I want, yes, I need these kingdoms. I need their glory and their wealth and their power. He wasn't interested in that. He wanted to change the world, make all things new. And what does Jesus do? What is the mission before him? He humbled himself, right? Jesus went lower instead of higher. Philippians chapter 2, go back and read it. He served all. We're told in the synoptic gospels that Jesus made himself a servant of all. He made him, the Messiah came and made himself a servant of all. He became the servant to serve you and me. He lived in poverty. He lived in weakness. He was rejected. Now you say, well, his, his, his ministry sure got a lot of attention. Yeah, how long did that last? His ministry got a lot of attention, and then everybody hated him, right? By the end, everybody hates him. So he knew where he was going. He was like, yeah, this is, this is, a, this is a whirlwind. This, this will all be over very shortly. Just a few months away now, they'll all be against me. They'll all hate me. They'll, all, they'll even say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. He lived in rejection. This is what he'd been called in the world to do, to obey God until the very end, obey God all the way to the cross. What does he do? He, 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 he comes for the sake of others. Did he come for his own sake? No, he came for the sake of others. He came to love, to give himself up for us, to forgive our sins, though we had what? We had dishonored him. We had, we had sought glory for ourselves and dishonored God, dishonored our Messiah, dishonored our God, but even though that's what we'd done, we disrespected him. We'd slighted him. We had rejected him. He came for us to pardon us of all that, to cleanse us of all that, to wash that away, to scrub that off, to clean that away so that we could still be part of his family, so that we could still be with him, be forgiven of our sins. He came to change our lives. One of the things that he came to do is what we're talking about this morning. He came to set his people free from ambition. Now, so many of us are still sick with it. 
But through the Word and through the work of the Holy Spirit and through that process of sanctification, which is an ongoing process that we go through, we can be healed of this ambition, where we see it in our lives, healed of it more and more and more, wherever it raises its ugly head in our lives. But we have to recognize it with the work of the Word in us, the work of the Spirit in us, recognize where it is, see our sin, repent of that sin. Repent, remember, means turn away from something, turn away from selfish ambition, and turn to God to have be given ambitions, be given new ambitions, be given to God. And, but Jesus came out of love for us to set us free. And we, and we may say, it's a weird thing to do to set us free from amb- our, our selfish ambitions. But he did that because that's, what, that's, how he, that's where hum, human beings thrive. Once I, what I said earlier, this is a miserable life. It's a miserable life to live trapped in this, but to be set free from it and to live for God's glory. And obedience to God is a wonderful life. It's a life of, of love and a life of joy and a life of peace. It's a new kind of life, to walk in a new kind of life. It's a wonderful thing. And Jesus came to do that for us. He suffered so much. He went down to such a low place in order to, uh, in order to set us free from this slavery that we were in to our own ambitions and to the devil himself. The devil who continues to speak in our ears all the time and says, don't you think you need that glory? Don't you think you need that glory? Why don't you give the next few weeks, the next few months, the next few hours, the next few years, the next few decades to that glory? Because if you got that, wouldn't it be awesome? I'll give it to you if you'll just waste your life on it. If you'll just run after that for the next 10 years, I'll give it to you. And we do. We're Christians. We believe in Jesus, and yet we still run after this stuff. And we believe what the devil's telling us. Do you want it? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You can have this. If you just waste your life, if you just give all your time to this. Jesus did not seek power and glory in this life. He didn't seek power in in his life, in his time on this earth was his time of of humiliation, right? His time when he he lowered himself. And he did not seek power and glory when he was on this earth, but instead obeyed God, did what God's work was, and he suffered and he, he obeyed all the way to the cross even to death, even death on a cross, as Paul says. But then remember this. He was exalted by God in heaven. After, he was, after he'd gone through his obedience and he lived his life of obedience all the way to death, what happens? It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow to the glory of God the Father. Jesus did all this and was exalted up bringing praise and worship and glory, all this. It wasn't, it wasn't for, um, you know, in some kind of selfish way, but to bring glory to God, the one who deserves our glory, the one who deserves our praise. God exalted him and to bring glory to God the Father. Let's conclude with this last verse. Make one comment and then, and then stop. Verse 11, which we, hit, we read earlier, but we haven't read again. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Did you, did you catch that there? If you've been with us for the last three weeks, the first two temptations just showed up again. Did you see that? The second temptation for angels, the first temptation for food. When it says the angels attended to him, it means the angels ministered to his health. They fed him. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. The wreck that Jesus, you know what, what a human being looks like after 40 days not eating? If they're not dead, they are a wreck. If you find them in the, in the wilderness, they go in the ICU, Right? They go in the ICU, and they take days, weeks to recover from this. But what happens with Jesus is he's near death, no doubt. He is wasted away. 
he is almost broken, completely broken out there in the wilderness, um, just dragging around. And the angels restore him to health. The angels feed his body, minister to him, take care of him. You know, he was tempted to uh, call out for angels. He was tempted to turn that stone into bread and eat before God has permitted you to eat. But he waited. He waited on God, and God provided. In God's time, God provided for his needs. He provided for what, what he needed. It wasn't when he wanted it. It wasn't during the 40 days. But at the end of the 40 days, God takes care of his needs. Um, uh, it, it, you know, and um, think about this too, when Jesus was being tempted to have glory, at this point, he, does, he hasn't even started his ministry yet. He's, had no, he's gotten no attention at all. He's just a common villager. You know, other than that baptism, when a few people standing around saw what happened, he's gotten no attention at all. He has no glory at all out here in the wilderness, and he's about to be sent out on, on mission there. So God cared for him. This is a word of, of, of assurance to you as we close out. God cared for Jesus, and he'll care for you. God watched over Jesus, and he'll watch over you. He will bring you what you need. If you give up selfish ambitions and make your ambition to serve God and lead a quiet life and do the work that God has given you and keep your eyes on your own, on your own stuff and your own business, um, he will care for you. He will be with you. You will find real life. Um, even when you go through those deserts, when you see no sign of it, you can't tell that God's caring for you. He still is. He's still with you. Was Jesus with, was, the, was God with Jesus on day 27 when he was starving? Yeah, he still was. He was still caring for him. He was still watching over him. He didn't get to eat till day 41, though. God is still, even in those dark times, in those times when you can't see the sign of it, God is still with you. The Father is still with you. And if you make your ambition his way and his path, you will find life in that. You'll find peace. You'll find life in the words that come from God's mouth and in what he instructs you. So don't waste your life dreaming about glory that you don't have yet and that you wish you could have. Give thanks to God, the good God, for what he is giving you. You all have good things that God has taken care of you and, 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 and given you. Give thanks to him for the good he has given you and the good that he's going to do, that he's promised to do, and where he is taking you and give thanks to him that he can set you free from your own ambitions, which are going to wreck your life. Give thanks, Lord, and say, Lord, heal me. Heal me of this ambition. It's, it's deep down in my heart. Heal me of it. It's a sickness that is still part of me. It's in my flesh. Heal me, Lord. Set me free from this ambition. Let's pray.